that jarring cacophony tells you that you're back with the Power of Three podcast, an episode in which we're actually going to be discussing a little bit about one of us. I'm Kenny Smith. And I'm David Steele. And yes, we all know Kenny's ego doesn't need any kind of boosting. <laughs> but Kenny and I have just spent this evening watching the two new Mythmakers real-time pictures releases that concern the original Doctor Who novels that were published in the 90s and 2000s. There are two of them under the banner of Novel Experiences, which of course was the excellent convention that Kay and I went to last year and we're probably going to talk about it for the rest of our lives. Two two um, DVDs, one covering the, the Virgin Books and one covering the original BBC novels. And Kenny, our Kenny, appears as an opinion-giving talking head alongside... Um, the legendary Doctor Who fan writer David J. Howe. It's interesting because the two most notable things about Kenny and David's sequences are, first of all, David's shirt, and secondly, um, the fact that Kenny and David were filmed in a hotel room in front of a double bed <laughs> with the lights on beside the bed. It looks very, very dodgy, listeners. So watch out for that if when you buy the DVDs. As I, Kenny couldn't explain it to me. I wasn't given satisfaction with my questions, so... Anyway, we'll leave it there. Yep. Kenny, so yes, tell tell us about your novel experience of talking about the novels, that novel experience. <laughs> that was very good, I like I that. Know. Good wordplay. You, know, you almost, yeah, it's, it's like, it's, it's, what's that like from Blackadder? Yes, it's spontaneous, it's called wit. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> yeah, that was, I mean, it was great fun because, I mean, as you know, we went down to novel experiences last May. Yes. How can it be that, that, I know. that long ago? I know. So yeah, we did the trip down there and I was kindly invited to be an interviewer at that for some of the panels there. I got to do the New Adventures panels and Eighth Doctor panel and they were fantastic and we had a great time there. If you want to know about that, go back and listen to our Novel Experiences episode from last year, episode 120 something I think it is. And we, we were there, we did uh, a lot, lot of laughs meeting writers whose work we'd admired through the years and then came back up the road and thought nothing more of it. But then um, I was down at the Hooverville convention in September with our pal Alistair McGowan and we were down there and I was asked by Keith Barnfather from Real Time Pictures if I would mind joining David J. Howe in front of a bed to have a chat about the books. And that was um, that was recorded. Yes, that, that took a while to get that sentence. I was worried where you were going there. <laughs> you and David Howe being filmed with a double bed, you know. Anyway, and David's amazing shirt. But yes, um, that was that was recorded in the Sunday morning, the day after the convention. So I think I was there for ten o'clock and left just after noon. Right. So it was uh, a couple of hours worth of chat about the books and right. been given a list of questions to go through and. It took a bit longer than expected, but yeah, there was an awful lot of sort of thoughts and opinions given, mm-hmm. and you know, I'd, I'm just so glad you know that all the research that I'd done a few months ago for the book panels, because you know me, Dave, my brain absorbs the most useless trivial stuff. That the fact that there's a character in um, Times Crucible called Vielver Unsty. Okay. There you go. Well, I, well, I haven't read that book in thirty years, so I couldn't have told you that. That's impressive. I could have made that up. Um, you have to go and check later. Anyway, yeah, so like, I, I'm, you know, I, for some reason I had it in my head that you'd recorded those bits at Novel Experiences, but then you must have had a, have done that, you'd have had a, a very busy day <laughs> indeed. Yeah, because given that we sort of finished the convention, then headed straight up the road I know. In, in our 20, what was it, 20 hour 20, day, 20, 21 hour 20, day? 20 hour round trip, because yeah, you picked me up at the back of five. And do you know what, listeners? We do it all again. 
Oh, so totally. we have we have convened today not just for this little chat and to mention the fact they've just watched the DVDs and they've turned out very well and there's some brilliant really and there's some really really good interview material with a lot of writers and people involved with the books. But you're now going to have a little chat with the legendary Keith Barnfather, the the heads honcho of Real Time Pictures, aren't you? I am indeed. And let him, why don't we just let him introduce himself? Uh, my name is Keith Edward Barnfather, and I am a producer and director at Real Time Pictures Limited, sir. Of course, that's <laughs> that is your natural voice, but you've been, you've just gone more casual. Yeah, that's more, what Anastasia uh, sees every morning at eight o'clock. Yes, right. Okay. <laughs> well, novel experiences in terms mm. of releases. Was this a novel experience for you? Oh. Oh, I see what you did there. It, it was actually. I mean, uh, originally, it, it 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 rather crept up on me because when when um, Steve Hatcher asked me and Andrew Mark actually asked, asked me to do uh, to come up to the convention, they didn't ask me to or suggest to me about filming anything. Um, they said, "Oh, look, you're releasing a, a new documentary, um, The Doctors in Print." Uh, one of our compilation uh, DVD sets, which obviously was covering the magazines and the books within the titles of the of the, the myth makers within that compilation. For those that don't know, we've been doing uh, DVD box sets of myth makers releases um, in themes over the last four or five years, and this was one of the the last ones we were doing. And they thought it'd be really nice if we had a table and could sell that there. Um, during the convention, which is, as ever, really kind and generous of them both. They're always such supporters of real time. So when they did that, um, I thought, great. And that was it. And I was sort of think heading coming up to sort of do it. it was about a couple of weeks beforehand. Um, and then the sort of the penny dropped, you know, hang on, you've got 23 authors from Virgin uh, Books and from BBC Books from the wilderness years or the wilderness issues, and they probably will never be together again. And so my brain just went, because at the time we, we did have a, and we still do have a very heavy workload. Um, <laughs> I don't know, as I get older, it seems to get faster. But I just felt I couldn't avoid doing it. And that sounds like a negative thing. It's not. It, it was a positive thing because immediately you turn it around and you go, right, you know, what does Steve and Andrew Mark think? And they were they were wonderful and said, of course. Um, I felt that we couldn't do it as a let's shoot the panels documentary because I felt that might be a bit flat. Um, not because the panels would be flat themselves, but because you, you ne out of necessity with the panel, things meander a bit. And if you're going to try and tell the history of Virgin Books and BBC Books, you really do need to focus on specific close-up interviews. So uh, I asked them if there was any chance we could have a breakout room and they gave us one. And, and they helped during the entire day. We were right next to the green room and during the week, during the whole day, all the authors were absolutely fantastic. Every single one of them. They were like, when they weren't on stage, one of them would whip in for 15 minutes and we'd get the interview done with them. And we managed to, I think we managed to interview everybody except Steve Cole, who we managed to do a bit later on, on the day. And then, I gave the whole lot to Roger Stevens, which he's used to me dumping on him. Um, but I just was so busy, I couldn't, I couldn't do the editing. And Roger asked 
if uh, I could get somebody uh, to do a sort of double header, uh, a, a yin and a yang, you know, over the weekend, because he, he said, well, you know, if it's just the authors, it's going to be a little bit dead is the wrong word, but it's going to be just cut head, cut head, cut head, headshot, headshot, headshot. And I'd really like some sideways of views on it, some different angles. And that's when somebody called Kenny Smith and a guy called David J. Howe were invited to do the sofa chat about the, the whole range. So Roger yep. got the rushes, said, we need this. And then we did your head to head with David at Hooverville a couple of months, a few months later. Um, and then he took the whole lot and banged it together to make them. And it's quite an impressive package. I mean, everybody's got their own story as to how they came about how they got commissioned and it's been their two fantastic releases. I mean, I've I've watched them on Monday with my pal Dave, uh, who was down that novel experiences and we just watched them and just thought, this is great. This absolutely sort of, it absolutely gives you that taste for what it was like to be a fan in the 90s and early noughties when there wasn't a show on air. And the fact that fans who are writing these books every month were the ones who kept it going, the ongoing narratives, brilliant. Just such a happy time despite there being no show. I think it's also an interesting period because I think it's, I mean, you know, people like me and Bill Baggs and David Howe and others had been doing our own thing over the years before that. But I think we were, you know, we were very much aside from Doctor Who then. But I think what happened in that wilderness years i'm not i'm going to stop doing that now because i don't you know i do not believe it was ever a wilderness years but we've labeled it as such. it was a bountiful period if anything yes i think it was well i think it was a, a turning point that's what i was going to say is it was the point when the hard line between the program and fandom got very blurred with what we were doing at real time with what bill was doing with what virgin were doing and bringing uh, you know the well-known fans into doing prof oh, I'm doing it again professional published works and I think that's the point when I mean, you think that people like Russell T Davis wrote for Virgin and I think it was at that point that that the world changed so that now I personally don't think there's much of a line between fandom and the program certainly with those active fans who are creative I think there is such a crossover now and the bridge is there. You know, it's always possible to do to do things on both sides. And I I I I I think that's wonderful. I think it's a something that I think is is nothing but rich and generates things that would never happen in the old days. You know, you just never know what's going to happen now. Absolutely not. You never know who's going to show up with their credits there. When you think of um, say somebody like Gary Russell who was editing DWM. And then he's writing books, and then producing at Big Finish, and then going on to work in the TV show. So absolutely, there's that lineage. Yeah, it's all there. Nick, you know, Nick, who you know started out doing audio visuals, did started working for, with me at real time, and now is there? Um, I can't remember the exact title, but executive producer or something, and like creative that. director. Not worthy. Yeah. <laughs> absolutely. I, mean, I suppose for you, this must have been. Quite enjoyable to do something a bit different with a whole host of effectively here you are you've got your you've got your guests literally or your interviewees literally there on your doorstep obviously once you've traveled to derby but there they yeah. are it's just bring them in and getting so many talking heads in such a short space of time and i don't 
envy Roger having to edit that for a second. Yeah, he. I mean, I, I doff my cap to Roger Stevens uh, as an editor. I mean, as a director as well, but as an editor, he really, really, really is very good. His style of editing works well, especially as well as with novel experiences. It worked. It's worked really well with the doctor uh, with Doctor on Display. Um, the series we're doing about the history of the museums, the exhibitions, sorry, around Britain and also America we're working on at the moment. You know, he I can trust him implicitly. I can give him almost any rubbish I knock up and he can make it into something that looks glamorous and wonderful. And, and it's wonderful having somebody there to do that for you. I mean, I, I have to start diversifying and also passing responsibility for things these days. I can't do it all myself anymore. You reach a point in your life, you're too young to know, that you just can't work at the speed that you used to. You know, I mean, when I look back at 40 years of real time, it's 40 years this year. What I did in those, those say, 35 years just amazes me that I could do that, as well as all the stuff for the Doctor Who range of uh, spin-offs that we do. Um, there was also all the corporate and business and a little bit of broadcast work that I've done. And I managed to do it. Mind you, not being married for half of that time probably helped. You know, having a family, as all of us who've got families know, does take a chunk out of your life. The rewards far outweigh the, the negative things, but you definitely don't have the same amount of time as when you're single and doing whatever you want and working all night. And no one, no one has a problem with that, you know? Exactly, exactly. I know what you mean. It's quite a scary thing. Real time was nine when I started then, or nearly nearly ten. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I still can't. I mean, I obviously I can I can look at it philosophically that it's forty years. You know, I mean, I'm, I can see that. But when I just look at it, I go, well, I can't say because this children could be listening. But I'm stunned, absolutely stunned that that we've been going forty years. I mean. In itself, it's an incredible achievement. But when you look at the catalogue of titles that we've got and built up and still working on, it is quite amazing. It really is. And I, I shouldn't really be saying that myself, but I'm amazed, you know. Particularly when I see the, the, the DVD, you know, the, the pictures and the videos with all the releases put out uh, the, the, on DVD together. Obviously, in VHS, they're probably about triple that. But to see oh. it all... DVD, it's quite amazing to sort of the the output. And I mean, I've I've probably got about half of it in my cupboard behind me. And, well, go and um, buy the rent. <laughs> I'm getting there. I'm getting there. I, I'm like you, family to look after and pay for. I'm a doctor I, at college I, now. I, yeah, <laughs> we all have our responsibilities. Yeah, I will get there. Well, do your deal, son. It's all right. We'll talk later. It's all right. <laughs> in the meantime, everybody should also go www.timetraveltv.co.uk. Oh, I love the way it's tidedravelTV.co.uk. I think it's tidedravelTV.com yes. as well. Actually, no, it's .com. It's timetravelTV.com. Yeah, yeah. I think oh, no, I think we got. I think we got .co.uk points you to com, but it is .com. Yeah, um, but we'll, we'll come back yeah. to that later. Just in case nobody heard that. No, <laughs> absolutely. But no, I think this is uh, you know these are important releases because it does acknowledge a big part of Doctor Who history. Because I mean, how many stories were released in that period between? 91 and 2005, 2006, when the books were going. Hell of a lot. It, hundreds. It's a heck of a lot. Yeah, it's hundreds. I mean, the, the period is fascinating because I don't think it could have... I mean, it's obvious, I suppose, but it, that what happened couldn't have happened if there'd been a television programme on air. 
it happened because the BBC, I mean, this is explained in the programme, so I don't particularly want to go into it in too much detail, but the BBC essentially switched off. You know, they said, you know, I mean, through certain people working there, it's filtered down across the BBC. You know, we don't want this programme. It's gone. We can try and make a bit more money out of it, but we don't care. They didn't as an organisation, you know. And, you know, Peter Darville Evans basically was the producer of Doctor Who for about four years and could do what he wanted. Now, you tell me a major broadcasting company in the world that would wash its hands of one of its money-making products and just not give a monkey's. You know, I don't think you can judge the BBC on one point in its history, but you can certainly judge it on the way that it's handled this asset. And in fact, the way it handles all its assets, you know, and I think it, it, if it was honest with itself and looked in the mirror, it would say we've made a pig's ear of most of it. Absolutely agreed. And I have to say, I was honoured that you asked me to have the chat with David, because that was a good couple of hours on a Sunday morning. A bit yeah, it was fun, wasn't it? But it was, it was yeah. great fun just sitting there. But um... that is the secret of what we do, I think, in real time. It should be fun. If it isn't fun, it isn't worth doing. And I've always believed that. And, you know, whenever we've done a drama, I've done my absolute best to make sure that everybody, you know, kills themselves normally, but has fun. Um, and, and goes away feeling they've achieved something. And I love the fact that you felt that because I mean, I did. I just sitting there with you two, drinking a cup of coffee, letting the camera run and letting you two just gaff was was terrific. And you both did brilliant. You gave Roger exactly what he needed. You're very kind, thank you. But I do have one comment courtesy of my podcast co-host, Dave. He wanted to know why there was a double bed in the background. <laughs> well, I mean, you never know these days, you know. I mean, I do like to uh, you know, have that that any any you know possible other avenue that we can explore uh, within <laughs> the company is there. No, that you know why it was my bedroom, but That's I luckily good. had a suite and I put the sofa there, and it just the lighting. Oh, it was it. The, uh, Roger actually said to me he wanted a sort of lounge lizard kind of feel to it. He wanted yep. that kind of after dark kind of feel and of course that room i didn't have to dress it really at all just lit it and i think it worked perfectly yeah yeah it was great fun. Noticed, it was really good fun i to noticed do. the covers on the bed were all pristine and untouched yes absolutely now let's chat about the covers because this is a wonderful thing because obviously you sent through the dvds and i had no idea there was the reversible sleeve which is really? brilliant, some brilliant work by andrew mark thompson yeah, it was Andrew's suggestion, and and when I saw them, I mean, I'm always, I mean, the BBC may not may not agree with me, but I'm always as careful as I can not to do anything that is breaching copyright or is pushing the envelope too much. Obviously, sometimes they've contacted me and said, "Oh, hang on, you know, you shouldn't really do this or you shouldn't do that," and I always listen. I've had meetings in the past, and you know, I've tailored things if we disagree. And when Andrew Marks sent me those two reverse covers, I thought, I love them, but they're a bit borderline. They're not, they're not passing off because they're not drama, but or, or written word. But at the same time, I thought, well, I can't feature these, but I do like them and I do think it would be nice to put them on. So 
then the, the product isn't sold on those reverse covers. The product is sold on the covers that we, we packaged it with. But they're there. And I just wanted people to know once they got them. Andrew, Mark and I both thought it would be hysterically funny if everybody got them, watched them, put them on the shelf. And then a few days later, I say, have a look on the other side of the cover. <laughs> That's exactly <laughs> what happened. It was the Monday. It was, no, it was the Sunday because Andrew, Mark messaged me need to look in the back of the covers yet and it's like no I was out at the time then as soon as I got home pop them open and it's like oh my goodness that's brilliant so that's the way I'm keeping them now I'm keeping reverse yeah, and a lot front. of people have said that that they're actually going to keep them that way round I think personally you should all buy two copies and have one each way round but <laughs> that's, that's just me you know I agree I'll be buying uh, some copies for friends for their birthdays this year so. <laughs> oh, so it's a bit funny isn't it I'm buying a DVD to give to friends with me in it you know <laughs> Yeah, there is something in that I hadn't thought of it on that level. I'm just not because I didn't well, be entertained I, by I've it. I've had to do, I've done that many times. Think of that. I've, I've been sending stuff out for years with me on it. Dear, oh dear. <laughs> but there we go. But where, of course, can people buy this? And tell us about other releases you've got coming soon as well, please. Uh, well, I, I bet everybody out there already knows, but uh, all of our products are available through our sales website, which is www.timetraveltv.com. And you can download, stream, or buy the DVDs. And, and fans do still want hard media. I mean, I, I'd be honest with you, I, I, most fans still want that that physical media. I mean, there's part of me would love everybody to just say, right, downloads and stream. And then all I have to do is hit a button once we've made anything and never have to do anything else. But the other side of me is the guy who, you know, who was brought up in the 70s, late 60s, 70s. And I grew up with VHS. I grew up with, you know, when I first started conceiving an idea, making it packaging it, duplicating it, putting it in the box, sending it out. And that's gone through right through real time's history. So in a way, when that day does come, if it ever does, I'm going to miss it. And I can't deny it. I, I love physically producing a product from beginning to end and knowing that I'm putting in an envelope and sending it to somebody, you know, who has considered it worth spending their well-earned money buying. That's a privilege and one I, I don't think I'd ever get over, you know. Well, I think it's fantastic. And what else have we got coming in 2024, Keith? Okay, right. Well, at the moment, um, we've got Annette Badlands Mythmakers coming out in the next few weeks with Day of the Daughters, which is our production with Sadie uh, Miller and uh, Daisy Ashford talking about their mothers, talking about what it was like growing up with them, talking about losing them so tragically young. But on top of that, what it has been like then taking on the roles that they portrayed in big Finnish audio dramas. I'm very pleased we've done this and I'm very grateful to Nick Briggs and to the girls, ladies, for um, for doing it. It's a, I won't talk about it. Watch it. It's, it's quite moving. We've then got the next Doctor on display, which is Greatest Shows in the Galaxy, which is about all of the other shows, all the other exhibitions, all the uh, smaller ones or the ones that, you know, aren't big enough to cover in one production on their own. Um, and also we thought the the ones run by shops um, and the ones that are, are general exhibitions, but they've got Doctor Who featured within them, you know, just to sort of 
an overview of everything. So Roger's working on that at the moment. We've got a few more bits and pieces to do for that. I'm going to Gallifrey. Uh, I'm off in the, I'm, no, I can't crack those jokes. They're just too poor, aren't they? Off in my <laughs> targets to Gallifrey uh, in a couple of weeks to um, attend the convention and to have a table and sell stuff, which I'm looking forward to very much. Sean, Sean Lyon, the organizer, has been as wonderful as he always is and helpful. Absolutely. But we're also filming for the next Doctor on display, which is the one about the USA tour. Now, the, obviously, American fandom has its own individuality, its own life, its own own uh, story. But if there are two things that make it unique and also a, a story about Doctor Who that is unique to America, it's the USA tour when um, the BBC, together with Lionheart, created a, a, a trailer, a lorry, a trailer of an exhibition of Doctor Who and took it right round America over two years. Now that is utterly unique to America and that's the story we want to tell. And I think British fans will, will find it as fascinating as I know how much it means to American fans because it, for a lot of American fans, it was their first chance to actually look at Doctor Who props, read the reality of the program for the first time, you know, to actually get close. And the other thing, which is a long-term project, but I'm hoping we'll, we'll do in the next couple of years, is a history of pledge drives. Because in America, the way that Doctor Who was funded when it was on PBS was each television station, because PBS was a network of individual stations around America, uh, each station would have a day every maybe six months, maybe shorter, maybe longer, uh, where they would have a day of people raising money, pledging their money, giving money to buy the programs to show on PBS because it wasn't funded by commercials. And that was and that is was because it finished really, you know, when Doctor Who, uh, classic Doctor Who finished. It's another unique story only to America. And it meant that fans were heavily involved in uh, the sketches and in the raising of the money on air. And that's another production I'm very keen to do and hopefully get that done in the next couple of years. What else? Kevin Davis, done his, we made his Myth Makers a few weeks ago. Fantastic. Old friend, obviously known him since 1970. That one will be coming out in the next few months. Uh, God, who knows what's next? I mean, the next drama will probably be in 2025, which will be Anomaly which is the one I've been trying to make, but but just got things got knocked off uh, centre. Uh, that should be out then, and I'm looking forward to making that. Is that enough? Is that's, that enough? That's perfect. That's more than enough to keep you... It's enough to keep you busy, let alone me. Oh, tell me about it. I'm supposed to be retiring. I don't know. <laughs> That'll never happen, because as long as there's www.timetraveltv.com, you'll never retire. You want a job as a marketing manager? Oh, I've got, a, I actually recently did a qualification in digital marketing through work. I'm now fully oh qualified God. as a modern apprenticeship. Oh, I could tell the way you smoothly brought that back in. It, one tries, one tries, Keith. It's, <laughs> it's just a gift of the gab and an ability to sell to anyone. Well, I mean, what else can I tell you? Anything else or are you going to kick me out and get the really interesting know, person on? No, I think, uh, I think that, I think that's good for now. I think we'll bring back my co-conspirator in a little minute Dave Steele but Keith thank you so much for this it's been brilliant and again oh thank you for allowing me to take part and thanks for time chatting with this and always listeners www.timetraveltv.com 
for all Cheers, your mate. Doctor Who behind the scenes requirements. Thank See you, you at Who. Cheers. Bye. And thanks to Keith for that. Yes, got to meet Keith very briefly at Novel Experiences. Mm. Did we mention Novel Experiences? Have we what? mentioned it on the show, the convention we went to last year? It was really good. Possibly. So, Dave, what were your highlights from watching these All DVDs? the bits you were in. Apart from those bits, then. Um, well, it's really nice just seeing people like Steve Cole and Peter Darrell Evans and, and Rebecca Levine just... They still have the recall of events that happened a long time ago, and it's really just obvious that they really cared and that we were in safe hands as far as the books and stuff that was the best thing knowing that they cared just as much about them as we did and just there was some good you know good chats from some good insights from like Gary Russell and Steve Lyons and Daniel Blythe and Simon Messing and a few others about you know their experiences of, of writing the novels did you see what I did there their novel experiences <laughs> um, and it's it's good it's nice to have these sort of I really like what I like about the real time pictures stuff is that you know they're getting people on the record and you know because obviously there's a lot of people who've been interviewed in real time in the past and no longer with us and it's just nice to get people together and get you know get a pro- it's like Toby Haydock's Who's Round podcast it's nice just to get a proper record from people who were there at the time you know and it's really interesting hearing some of the people say that they preferred writing for certain ranges or the ideas they wanted to do and Hearing the different editors talking about the different approaches that they they took and stuff, but yeah, the, there was there was plenty. I mean, the thing that one of the points that I made in there is that, to my mind, the new adventures and the eighth Doctor adventures are as much eras to my mind as, for example, Peter Capaldi's time in television, John Pertwee's, absolutely, because they were very much an ongoing story arc, and with a continual Doctor companions coming and going. And coming back in some cases, yeah, and very much, uh, yeah. Well, I mean, like a series. It was a proper series. Yeah, they were. You know, there's a bit when um when we were watching the the, the cover of Time One Revelation flashed up, and you know, Paul book was like a bomb going off. Doctor was never the same. It he brought a real con- sense of the contemporary to it, in, in a way the program never had. But it 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 didn't mean that the program lost anything at the same time, and. It was it was interesting. I would completely agree with you because I remember at points in the nineties, sort of thinking, we don't need a TV series because we've got the books, and the books are as good. And everything that was done with the new adventures and the missing adventures, taking everything that had been done in the TV show and sort of building it up. What we've said in the past, all the work that Gary did with some of his books, like Scales and Justice, what have you, drawing together disparate elements from various stories, the future cycle history stuff. When they brought they brought they made coherent the different futures sort of you know shown in stories like Colony in Space and Mutants and Frontier in Space and stuff like that and it was it was all done with such care but never in such a way that you felt the, the tail was wagging the dog the priority was always the story but the continuity stuff that was being done like you know for example the um you know the adjudicators you know that the Ros and Chris that that grew, grew out of something that grew out of you know Colony in Space as well obviously yeah. but it was all done in such a way as to to make it coherent and fresh it didn't it never felt in those days that you were kind of getting it never felt like the continuity stuff was gratuitous it was there because they were using it for world building and that was the foundation and you know it was um it was a good time i'm i'm very nostalgic for it and i said all this because you know i don't want to repeat myself too much from stuff we said in earlier episodes but you know we didn't really miss the tv show in those days I miss the, I miss books. I miss the fact we were lamenting, watching the, you know, the second disc that we watched there, and I, I, I'm kind of saddened by the fact that we don't have a regular 
fiction programme you know, anymore where there's a consistent stream of stuff for a, for the contemporary, the present, the current Doctor, and a consistent range featuring the older Doctors. I mean, when was the you know, there, there was a you know, there was a couple of the Wheel of Ice, I think, and then the, there's a couple of Fourth Doctor books that were published in the twenty tens. But you know, I think Wheel of Ice was was that what it was called, the Second Doctor one? Yes. And there was yeah. um, the Harvest of Time by yeah. Alistair Reynolds. Yeah, but it was that a John a John Pertwee Doctor yes. one, I think. And it's it's just um it's just a shame that over the years since the, these ranges finished, we've had these sporadic books. I mean, I would, it'd be great. You know, we don't have to have a lot of them. They could space them out. There are a lot more Doctors than there used to be, but you know, they could rotate them between, you know, get six or seven books a year maybe. It would be nice. I mean, it would probably break because we'd run out of room eventually, but it's just a shame that we don't get as much original fiction as we used to because for a long time, for a good 15 years or so, there was a lot of it and it was all pretty consistently good. I'd have to agree with that. It's... Yeah, I do miss that because, I mean, I think we've said it before and it was in that um, Scotsman newspaper article at the end of last year where I did an interview on it and saying that effectively we were having book clubs before book clubs were a thing. Mm -hmm. We would be going to the pub and we would be discussing the latest Craig Hinton novel Mm -hmm. or whatever it may be and going through them in depth, talking about the the particularly memorable moments, the high points, the bits that we didn't like, the funny bits... And then um, sometimes somebody would have a copy there, and you'd you pick out and you yeah. read it, and it was hilarious. I mean, I can remember like a whole chunk. So many of the books I can remember where and what, whereabouts, and what was happening in my life when I was when I first read them. Like, I can I can chart my passage through Abbey National via the books that I was reading. I remember sitting reading Zamper in the cafeteria at Victoria Road. I remember reading Christmas on a Rational Planet when I shifted to East Kilbride. I remember I was reading Millennial Rights. The one day they sent me out to Rutherglen. I remember reading, starting to read Human Nature, getting the train down to Kilmarnock to, you know, because a, a bunch of us were going to see some pals bands playing in, in Garvin of all places. You know, it's all there, and it's it's in some ways the memories of these are quite a lot stronger than watching certain TV stories for the first time, just because you know, as we've talked in the past, the books are a bit more of an inv- an investment of your time as well as your money, and you know, and your your intellect and your emotions. So it's yeah, I I. I one hundred percent agree with you. It was very much an era, and as and to use the modern vernacular, very much so. Yep, and I think that it's a great thing that real time have gone out, and they've, as you said, got these authors together when they were there at the convention because it makes perfect sense sort of to get that to get a capturing of that moment because chances are there may not be as many of these writers brought together into one place again absolutely and the thing that was lovely to see I mean I don't know if you were there because obviously I was, you know, behind the scenes seeing the, the camaraderie and some people oh, yeah, had not seen each other in 30 years yeah because you, you snuck me into the green room towards the end and Johnny Morris and I stood in the corner gossiping and it was and it was lovely and you know and um yeah of course it was and it was good you know, I met a few other folk that and that I'd met before and met a few folk who knew I was because you know I was, I was there with you, know, with you and stuff and it was yeah it was it was great it was a, it was a good day um, very special and also the fact that it inspired us to do our run in November as well that sort of triggered things off there to do our book a day absolutely which we're probably going to try and do again at some point because it was fun but yeah. you know but perhaps couple, in May Dave a couple of weeks off to try and read something else first would be good yeah. anyway yes absolutely so there we go that's it you'll be able to find a copy of this DVD by going to www.timetraveltv.com 
Absolutely. And don't ask me the retail price because I don't know because these were sent to me as a comp. The um, DVDs are great because our pal Andrew Mark Thompson has designed the covers and they're reversible sleeves which you know echo the, the book designs. They're, they're lovely. Andy has done it again. God bless him. He is a genius. So um, yeah. Yeah. Well done him. So there we go. That's us for this week. Yes, that'll do. Um, listeners, please, as usual, check out the Earth 2 podcast. We might be back to normal the time this release. We might not be. It might still be om- emergency omnibus repeats or, or Logan being drafted in and uh, helicoptered in to to stand in for Pete. But we'll see what happens. What's happening with Pieces of Eighth right now, Kenny? Well, Pieces of Eighth, funny, just we're talking about books. Pieces of Eighth, we are... At the moment, we're actually doing an extra five episodes for season seven because I don't like it being eight episodes. I want to round it up to 13, just like a telly series used to be in the old day of new Doctor Who. And series eight, which is all about the next run of eighth Doctor novels, which runs from the taint up to the ancestor cell. Okay. And those are currently in preparation. We have got just getting the last few readings sorted out and then we'll be back and uh, covering because we've got interviews with virtually all the writers there so yeah Excellent. stand by for action That'll to do. quote someone else but That'll Dave do. yes Kenny what are we playing out with we're playing out with um, Mike Oldfield Moonlight Shadow because of a joke that I made whilst we were watching the DVDs and if you want me to explain it you can contact me directly we'll see you soon folks take care bye bye